today. Amen. Amen. We're a church that loves the Word of God. We teach the Word of God. We preach the Word of God. We don't gather together to tell little stories. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a story, but our focus is God's Word because God's Word changes our hearts and lives. Amen? Today we're starting a new, a new series and I'm excited about it. It's called Pursuing the Heart of God or in short, just Pursuit. And we're going to be studying King David. And I love David. How about you? David is one of the characters in Scripture that um, just comes alive and we, we, we're excited to see what God does through this young man. And then we're also, uh, you know, just when we see how that he wasn't perfect, we see that he wasn't flawless, we see that he was, he was a man that made mistakes. It, it, it somehow encourages us that even though we've made mistakes, God still has a plan for our lives. Today, if you go to Israel and ask them who, who their greatest king was in history, they will tell you King David. He is still revered in the, in the, in the eyes of the Jewish people today. There are great lessons to learn from David. Lessons that we should follow and lessons that we can learn not to follow. Amen? But it's going to be a good series. And I love the fact that David, there was no one else in Scripture that God said is a man after my own heart except for David. So that statement alone should encourage us to study the life of this man and to see what we can glean from it. So let's begin today. In the 8th in the chapter, we see the Israel is wanting a king. David never would have been king if it hadn't have been for the people wanting a king. So let's begin in the 8th chapter of 1 Samuel. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his son, sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. The reason the people wanted a king, one of the reasons, was the fact that the the sons of Samuel, who he appointed as judges, were not living the life that they should lead as leaders. And there's a powerful message there for you. If you decide to, to... enter in and, and to become a Sunday school teacher or a, a deacon or just a leader in the church, a volunteer leader in any way, there should, should be a strong desire not to stumble, not to fall, because when we do, we cause others to stumble and fall. The nation was turning against God. They were turning away from God. They saw hypocrisy in the spiritual leadership. And when that happens in a nation, the nation is going to be turned away from God. We need spiritual men and women in leadership, not only in the church, but in our nation. Amen? We should pray for them. The Bible tells us to pray for those who are in authority above us. So we should pray, whether you like the president or not, whether you like the congressman or the senators or our governor. We as Christians are called to pray for them. That they will make righteous decisions, godly decisions. If they don't know the Lord, we should pray that they have a a road of Damascus encounter with Jesus Christ that transforms their lives. Amen? So we see that Israel was struggling here. They were struggling in the fact that, that the leadership had perverted justice. In verse 4 it says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And he said to them, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. It was public knowledge. They all knew it. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Notice the word like all the nations. We have a tendency to want to follow whatever is the fad that's taking place. What everybody else is doing, well, we probably need to do that too. Have you ever gone to the barber or the hairdresser and said, here's a picture, I want to look just like this. (laughs) It's the latest haircut. 
It'll make me look younger. But we, we have that just naturally. And that's what was taking place here. These people were struggling with the fact that the other nations around them had kings. And when they were asked, where's your king? They would say, well, my, my king's in heaven. And they came to the place that they wanted an earthly representation. They wanted an earthly king because the other nations had kings. And they, they were drifting away from God at that time. In church, as Christians, we still have authority over us. We don't have a king in this country. We have a president. But church, we have an ultimate king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? He is the one that rules our lives. He is the one that directs us. He is the one that guides us. We live our lives to please a king. And he is the ultimate king. Amen? In verse 6, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people. Literally in the original language, it's obey the voice. God was telling him to obey the voice. To go ahead. We're going to give him a king. Sometimes when we want something so bad, even though it's not right, even so that it's not God's plan, His will for our life, guess what? He'll let us have it. Have you ever wanted something so bad in your life? You said, oh God, I really need this. I really want this. God, give, let me have this. And then God goes, okay, you're, it's not going to turn out like you think it is. And God gives us what we're really longing for. And then we realize, hey, that didn't work out like I thought it would. We should have trusted Him all along. But he, he tells Samuel to go ahead and obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. God's saying they're, they're rejecting me, Samuel. They don't want me to rule and reign in their life. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. In the next several verses, God uh, directs Samuel to begin to tell them what's going to happen. They're going to lose their freedom under this a rule of a monarch. He's going to take their sons and daughters. He's going to put them to work. He's going to take their lands. He's going to take things. And He is going to rule them. And God was warning them. In church, I want, to, I want you to know, God is always warning us before we make mistakes. God is always warning us. This is filled with Warnings. His Word, it guides us, it directs us. This is how life works best. If we follow God's commands, His direction, guess what? Life works and it works well. In, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things shall be added to you. Amen? As we begin this series... I've noticed something in my life. I need heroes. I've noticed something in the life of other people around me. They need heroes. All of us need people that we can look up to, that we can see as examples in our life that will stir our hearts for us to, to do what God's called us to do. To surrender to Him and to fulfill the plans that He has for our lives. And I've had great heroes in the faith. One of my heroes was my grandfather. He was a hero in the faith. I grew up in his home. I saw the life that he lived. I heard other people tell about things that he did that ministered to them and how it affected their life. I have another mentor in Jack Hayford. He, I, I, I've been in his home with him and I, I've studied him and, and listened to him and been in classes with him. 
And he was a mentor in my life. And a great man of God. I love him. And I thank God for heroes of the faith. Amen? Dr. Don's another hero of mine. Pastor Lyle's another hero of mine. Bob's a hero of mine. They're elders that come around me. Don Cook is a hero of mine. These men have walked the walk before us and, and they, they give us an example of lives that, that aren't perfect. I'm not saying that I'm putting them on a pedestal and saying they're perfect in every way. But I am saying like King David, they're lives that encourage me to be all that God wanted me to be. And I'm still striving for that. And I say, Lord, I want to be a hero to someone else. David was a hero. And in fact, he's listed in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And most Christians love that chapter because it's filled with our heroes of faith. And I love what verse 38 says in that chapter. It says that these of whom the world was not worthy. There are people that have lived lives in such faith in this world that God says these people were not, the world was not worthy to have these people in it. Now that, that's amazing to me. But you know what? It's challenging to me. And it makes me say, Lord, I want to be one of those. If you were, that's my prayer, church. And I've prayed this since the early days that I felt God's call in my life. I prayed, Lord, if you were still writing your word, I want to be somebody that you would write about. And in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, my name would be written down there. I want to live that kind of life, Lord, that pleases you, that follows you, that makes an impact in this world. I want to be a world changer. And when we look at the life of David, he is one of those heroes. He's mentioned over a thousand times in Scripture. David's mentioned more than anyone else in, from the Old Testament in the New Testament. David was a poet. He was a musician. He was a warrior. He was a general. He was a leader of men. He was a statesman. He's a man that if you're a man and you're looking for a role model, you can see in David someone who was a great warrior. A great general. A great leader of men. But at the same time, he was a man of compassion. There's an instance where a, a, a village was overrun and all the people were, were murdered in that village. And David and his mighty men show up and they encounter this. And it says, they wept until they could weep no more. This great army, these great mighty men, and yet they had compassion. There's nothing wrong with being a compassionate man. Jesus is our ultimate example, and He was a compassionate man. There's times when I'm preaching that I'll get choked up and I'll have a tear in my eye because I feel the presence of the living God just ministering and moving in my heart. This week I was at the credentialing ceremonies and, and we encountered you know, the candidates coming in and one of the candidates sit down and the first thing we always ask them is share your salvation experience. And as he sat there and, and tell us how God's filled you with, with His Spirit and His power. And as he began to share that, he, he got choked up and he, he started apologizing. And I told him afterwards, don't apologize. Because every man that was sitting there was moved. And it, that was exactly what we were looking for. That your spirit, spiritual uh, journey, that it was real. That you had a real encounter with God. And that your life is transformed. David was that kind of leader. Amen? He was that kind of man. David was born in a time when the nation of Israel drifted away from God. They were disillusioned. And they wanted to be just like the other nations. And they got what they wanted. And it didn't work out. He gave them a king. The king was Saul. But Saul, he was thin-skinned. He was hot-tempered. He was depressed. And then he th had thoughts of murder. And there came a time though 
that God intervened through Samuel again. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 13 if you still have your Bibles open. Verse 13 through 14. And there's a message here, church. Sometimes when we make bad choices and God lets us, allows us to make those bad choices, guess what? God still hadn't abandoned us. Is anybody thankful for that today? God still has not abandoned us. Amen? Look at this. In, in uh, verse 13 of chapter 13 of 1 Samuel. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which He commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Wow, what a promise. If Saul had continued to live for God, obey the commands of God, his generations after him would have continued to continued forever God said to rule over Israel but now he says your kingdom shall not continue the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you I love that phrase And we've all heard it if we've been in church at all from a very young age. That David was a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? It means he wanted to be in harmony with the heart of God. He wanted to live his life the way that God wanted him to live. He desired to live a life that when God said stop, he would stop. If God said go left, he would go left. If God said go right, he would go right. He would do whatever God asked him to do. He would be a man of integrity. He would be a man that says, God, I'm pursuing your heart. I'm chasing your heart. I want to be the man that is right there in harmony with everything you have for my life. Wow. That's amazing. In another passage of Scripture, you don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 86, David is praying. And listen to what he prays. He says, Teach me Your way, O Lord. I will walk in Your truth. Unite my heart to fear Your name. Unite my heart to fear Your name. In other words, he was saying, Lord, don't let my heart be divided. Don't let my heart... How many realize that the enemy and the world, our flesh, are always trying to get a piece of our heart? Here and here, I want a piece of your heart. The enemy wants to try to steal our hearts. He wants to try to distract us. He wants to try to to divide our heart where we're not fully focused and surrendered to the Lord. And David said, don't let that happen to me. Don't let me have a divided heart. Let my heart be unified in you. I love that. When we look at David, we see a nobody. How many of you have ever felt like you're a nobody? Most of us have. At one time or another, we felt like we were a nobody. But guess what? God loves to take nobodies and transform them and make them somebodies and make them king. (laughs) I love that. You remember when Samuel came to seek out Jesse's sons? Where was David? He was out tending the sheep. His father didn't even have faith in him. His father didn't even think he had the qualities to become king. So he had all the other sons there. And Samuel said, no, the Lord's saying it's not these. And I want you to know, your dad... on this earth may not have had faith that you would be a king, but you have a heavenly Father that says, I'm going to make you a king. Amen? That's the heart of our Father. That's the love of the Father. He says, I take nobodies and make them somebodies. I take nobodies 
that the world thinks aren't qualified. The world thinks that they'll never be significant. David, you just stay there with the sheep. You're, you can do that. You can just stay there. But, but you're not, you're not going to be a king. And God's, God says, yes, I take those that have a heart after mine. Those that want to have a heart that's in harmony with me. Those that are pursuing me. And I take those nobodies and I make them somebodies. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them, God is making you a somebody. Now tell them, God wants you to rule. He wants you to reign. God's searching for men and women like David. Notice in this, this verse it says, he, God, the Lord sought for Himself a man. Everybody say man. man. A man. That's right. You've got to say it like I do, Sam. Notice He didn't say perfect man. Notice He didn't say an educated man. He was looking for a man that had one characteristic above all, and that was he wanted to pursue the heart of God with all that he was. Church, if you do that, everything else is going to be all right. Amen? I'm reminded of that, that old song I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right when we have that heart like David. We may come and we say, I'm not educated. I want to learn more about you, God. I want to learn your word. I want to study your word. But Lord, right now, I don't have any formal education. And God says, that's okay. You've got a heart after me. And that's what I'm looking for. Because everything else will fall into place if you just have that heart. Listen to this. 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. Can you say amen to that? The Lord was looking for David. The Lord was there. They didn't realize it, but the Lord was there. He was in the house of Jesse. He was observing the life of David and his brothers. And David is the one that the Lord chose because of his heart desiring him. I love that. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. I love that. No one knew it, but the Lord was there. He was observing David, and David had that character. In Psalm 78 and 70, the Word of God says, He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. In Psalm 89 and verse 20, the Lord says, I have found David my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. In those days, they would take oil and they would pour it over the head of the priests, the prophets, and the king. It, they would anoint them in office. And the oil was representative of the presence of and the power of God. It was, it was a representation of the Holy Spirit empowering them and equipping them to do what only they could do with God's help. Amen? So God was saying, David is going to be a king and I am going to have my presence and my power right there with him that he can accomplish what I have called him to do. And guess what, church? We see in the in the New Testament that God says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. Oh, everybody's going. You have an anointing from the Holy One. 
Amen? It's the promise of God's presence and power equipping us and enabling us to be all that God's called us to be. In other words, you can do it. You can do everything God's called you to do. Amen. I love that. In Psalm 78 and verse 71, another passage speaking about David. From following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. David was a man of integrity. And you say, well, pastor, what about the incident with Bathsheba? Yes, David had a great failure in his life. But he was a man that was striving for integrity. And I want to challenge you today. You, have made, you may have stumbled. You may have fallen. You have made, you have, maybe you have made mistakes you think are so grievous that God could never forgive me. That I, God could never use me. In church, that's a lie from the enemy. If you failed, you can say from now on, Lord, make me a man like David or a person like David. Lord, give me that kind of heart. And Lord, I want to be a, a person of integrity. I don't, I don't have time to get, get into it, but in Genesis, in the story of Abraham, it talks about a, a king that Abraham approached and the king took Sarah because Abraham wasn't uh, the man of God that he should have been at the moment. And he basically threw his wife under the bus so that the king wouldn't, he thought the king would kill him for her. But something amazing happens in that story. God confronts the king before the king uh, does anything to Sarah. And he tells him, I'm going to kill you. He got the attention of the evil king. But it's interesting, the evil king says, I did this out of the integrity of my heart. And God acknowledges that and God tells him, he says, I know that, I saw that. And that's why I stopped you from touching her. And there's a powerful message there, church. And I want you to grab it. That if we determine to live and have a heart of integrity, when those trials, those tribulations, when those temptations like that come, God will protect us from falling into that trap. Because we've had a heart of integrity. Yeah! <laughs> I like that. Amen? That's exactly what God said to that king. He said, I didn't intend to do that. I was deceived. And God says, that's why I stopped you. And I didn't allow you to commit that sin against Sarah. So we need to be people like that that have a heart of integrity. Lord, I want to live a life of integrity in every way. In 1 Samuel 17, chapter 34, or verse 34 and verse 35, Scripture says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and, and struck it and delivered the lamb from, from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and the uncircumcised Philistine will be no one will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. How many love the story of David and Goliath? Amen. What a great story, and we're going to get to that later and focus on it in depth. But today I want you to join me in seeing something powerful. David here, Saul's in his tent, shaken, afraid. 
And David comes and says, what's the big deal? Let's go kill this guy. Let's take care of him. He's defiled the true and the living God. And why was he ready to do that? Because he had been a shepherd alone in a quiet place with God. And God was working in his life. And God enabled him to conquer the bear and the lion. Church, don't ever fear about being alone with God. All of us need to be alone with God. It's in those alone times when we're just reading the Word or we're in prayer, we're just worshiping Him by ourselves that God begins to mold and make our character and form us into who He desires for us to be. And He did that in the life of David. David went and he would... You know, he could have had an attitude. He was a young, young guy at that time. You know, how many young people do you know with attitudes? I won't go there. He could have been out there with the sheep saying, why did I get stuck with this stupid job with all these dumb sheep? He could have said, well, I'm going to let the bear and the lion have a few of them because I don't want to mess with it. But he didn't. I want to know who you are when you're alone with God. Who are we when we're alone? I don't... How can I word this? I, I don't prove myself to be a godly pastor by getting up and preaching a good message on Sunday. I prove it through the week when I'm in my office all alone. Just me and God. And I'm reading His Word and I'm praying for this church and I'm crying out to Him and saying, God, I want to be a pastor that can pastor 4,000 people. Lord, I want to be a pastor that can, that can do all these things greater than what I know I can do in myself. Because in myself, I'm nothing. I'm nothing without You, Jesus. But with You, Lord, I can do greater things than I can even imagine according to Your Word. And so, Lord, I surrender myself right here, right now, in this quiet time. Mold me and make me. Give me the character of David. Make me a man that pursues the heart of God with all that I am. That's where God works in our lives. That's where God changes us and transforms us. It's when we're in those quiet times. So church, don't shun away from being alone with God and admitting you need to be worked on. <laughs> I'll be the first to tell you. There's days I come in and I've got a bad attitude. And I don't really want to be here. I'd rather be doing something else. One of my pastor friend's favorite sayings, you know, being a pastor would be the greatest job in the world if you didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> and I love people. And God called me to be a pastor and gave me a love for people. But there's days when people will come to see me and you just want to say, you need to just get right with Jesus. That's your problem. <laughs> Done. Counseling over. Get right with Jesus. Here, read this and do it. You know, that'll solve it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. There's people that you love, you're, they're part of your family, but you don't want to travel from L.A. to New York in the same car with them. I don't know how I got off on that. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Goliath was no big deal. Goliath was no big deal because God had been working in the faith and the character of David. And when he sees the giant stand bef standing before him, he says, God has already taken a care of the lion and the bear. He has already enabled me. Now, how many of you right now are ready to take on a lion and a bear? Two or three of you. 
After church, I want to see that. But think about it. You know, I love to go hunting in the woods. And I was, years ago, I was up north of uh, Kotzebue, out on the Noatak River. And I was hunting down the river. And I, and I walk up and I look down and there's this huge bear print. And I'm serious. The bear print was about this big. It was huge. And it was fresh. And right next to the bear print, there was a half-eaten salmon. I mean, just a chunk out of it. And it was fresh. And I go, Jesus. <laughs> and then I got a bear. Have you ever been close enough to a bear in the woods? You smelled it. They stink. I mean, they really smell. And I didn't want to be that close to the bear. And I didn't want to be David at that moment. I didn't want, you know. I even have a rifle and I don't want to take on the bear. Think about this young kid and what God must have done in his life and the faith that he must have had in God. And God taught him that in those alone times in that quiet place and developed him. So that when the bear came, he grabbed it and took care of it. He took care of the lion. And he said, God's already taught me what he can do through my life. And so now I'm going to take on this giant and it's no big deal. And that's what God wants to do in us. Amen? And two last thoughts. And then we're going to have a celebration because we have a young man that's getting baptized in just a couple of minutes. Amen. Two last thoughts. Worship team, you can go ahead and come. We recognize that it's in the small things and the solitary places that we prove ourselves capable. So many times when somebody feels the call of God on their life, they think, God's called me to be a pastor. Well, I remember when God called me to be a pastor. And the first reaction was, no, how about my cousin Rick over there? That, I'm serious. That was my reaction with God. It was at my grandfather's funeral and I, I just began to weep and the presence of God came upon me and He said, I'm calling you today. He said, none of your grandfather's sons, none of, their, none of his grandsons have followed him in the ministry. And He said, that's changing today. But when God calls you, church, to do whatever He calls you to do, don't say, well, I'm going to kick back and wait till God does it. Years ago, I had a prophetic word. A, a man spoke over me and told me I was going to pastor a church of over 500 people. But I didn't stop and I didn't, I didn't say, well, okay, God, do it. We need to realize that God develops us in the small things. He teaches us obedience. He teaches us so many things about who we are in Him and the character that we must have. So if God's called you to pastor a church of 20,000, don't be afraid to go and clean the toilets in the church. Don't be afraid to, to minister in the nursery. Don't be afraid to to do the small things and show yourself obedient. In other words, some people I've encountered, some young people, they said, well, God's called me. I'm going to be a pastor of a great church someday. And I say, well, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. What are you doing for Him right now? We need somebody in children's church. We need somebody in the worship team. We need somebody to volunteer for this or that. So church, find a need and fill it. And let God work on you like David because He'll develop you into a king. And finally, God is never in a hurry when it comes to developing our character. It's a lifelong process. He wants to continue to develop us week after week, month after month, year after year. So just be yielding to Him and allow Him to develop you on His timetable. He may have called you to pastor a church of 5,000 someday, but right now you need to minister to that small group of 10 and love them like Jesus would.
and let God develop us. Amen. Will you stand with me? I want to ask the prayer team if they would to come forward and go to the back of the auditorium and we're going to just close with a word of prayer today and then we're going to have the baptism in just a second. But if God has spoken to you at all today, through the message of David, through the life of David, if you want to join me and say, God, I want to be a hero to somebody. I want to live a life like Paul that I can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Or maybe you need a mentor in your life. Maybe you need a hero today. Come and pray with one of our team today that God will lead you to that right person and they will desire to, to be a hero in your life. Because all of us need heroes. Amen. Father, we just thank You for this day. Lord, we just rejoice in everything that's taken place. But Lord, as we come to the close of this service, I, I welcome Your presence, Lord. I welcome You to come. Lord, for You to just move on the hearts of Your people today. Lord, that we would want to be people that You would say, just like David, that we're people after Your own heart. Lord, that we're pursuing You with all that we're are, we are. Lord, we're not playing church. We're not coming half-hearted. But Lord, we're going to do, do everything we can in drawing closer and closer to You. And You've promised that You will draw closer and closer to us. And Lord, when we face those challenges, face those difficult things, Lord, that You're there with us, that You'll guide us and direct us through. So Lord, whatever the heart's desire for prayer is today, Lord, I just pray that today You would meet us at that place. And Lord, give us Your victory. In Jesus' name. Will You come? Dr. Don and some of the others are at the back. If you want to slip out and pray with them, we'll come forward. But we're just going to spend a few moments in prayer today. Mitch, would you lead us, please? My heart is the wind. 
more song and we're going to have the baptism today. How many want God to move in power and might? Amen. Mitch is going to lead us in a song and I just want this to be a prayer. Lord, we want a move of God. Amen. We need a move of God in our in our lives, personally, in our families, in our church, in our community, in our, in our great state, and in our nation. So let's make this song of prayer, and then we're going to celebrate with a great baptism. He hadn't, he hadn't found it. Okay, just go ahead and find it. We have one other thing. I'm honored to have Pastor Jose Carrera. I can't pronounce his last name. I can't twirl my R's. But Brother Jose is from Florida. Come up here, Brother Jose. Come on up. Brother Jose is a pastor of two churches in Florida. And God's been dealing with him for the last three years about coming to Alaska and specifically Wasilla to start a Spanish-speaking church for those that, that don't know English. And it has to be a God thing, anybody that would want to leave Florida and come to Alaska. But he came to visit us today and, and we're praying about how we can possibly help him. And we want to see that church here for the Spanish-speaking people in the valley. Amen. And so I want you to keep him in your prayers. He's, he, uh, he's a wonderful man of God. He loves the Lord. He loves people. And uh, I just want him to pray over us today and pray for Wasilla, if you would. Would you do that? Not only that, that I'm uh, a pastor of two churches, I'm also the presbyter of our section. I have many other churches that I have to be responsible. But uh, I think one more won't be hurt. <laughs> Amen? Let's pray. Dear God, we come before your presence and we give you thanks. I'm honored to be in this place with this wonderful church, with these wonderful people. God, you had placed them in the right place for the right moment, for the right time. And we pray that uh, in your time, we will, could, we will be able to open the Spanish church. Not only to bless the Hispanic people, but to bless this church that you had put in this place for so many years. I pray for the pastor. I pray for the board. I pray for every individual person that comes through these doors. That you will fill them with the Holy Spirit and your power will be upon them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Honored to have you here today. If we can have the screen up, please. This is a, an exciting baptism. You can be seated. This is Caleb and Jacob. And what's so wonderful about this Baptism today is the fact that Caleb came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior in his life, and he led Jacob to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. <laughs> and Caleb is doing what the Bible tells us to do in going and making disciples of all men and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we're, I'm duly excited today for both of these young men. So God bless you both. Jacob, do you have anything to say? I spent a long time without God and Jesus in my life and barely survived, but now I'm just, I'm ready to thrive with God and Jesus. And no matter how deeply you think the enemy has been entrenched in your bones, you can always go for forgiveness, and he'll always be there to forgive you. Jacob, have you made a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. 
Alrighty. Upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of our Savior's death and raised in the likeness of our Savior's resurrection to walk in the newness of life. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's stand and be dismissed today. And then Mitch is going to lead us in that song as we go out today. Lord, I just thank you for the commitment that Caleb made and Lord leading Lord Jacob to know the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the love of God. Lord, I just bless both of those young men. I pray that you would do awesome things through their lives. Lord, that they would be like David and have a heart for you. And Lord, that they would rule and reign in life. Lord, just like you brought David to rule and reign. Lord, bless each and every one of us today. And as we leave this place, let our hearts continue to cry out, Lord.